I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. Today, Nick Churchman is joining me on the virtual sofa. Like many of the people that we have had on earlier episodes, Nick's career has incorporated a number of diverse elements. All of these have naturally influenced how he looks to implement change in transformation. So without any further delay, let me introduce you to Nick. Hi, Nick. Uh, thanks for agreeing to join us today. Uh, looking back on your career, it's safe to say uh, that it splits into, well, I think, two distinct elements, a, a career in the RAF and then a, an absolute focus on transformation across various sectors and geographies. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's a story behind that sort of career. Do you, do you, do you want to start by giving us a brief summary? Well, thank you, and thanks for, for asking me to join. Um, yeah, so you're absolutely right. Two, I've been lucky enough to have two careers. I did 17 years as an officer in the Royal Air Force. Um, and before you asked, no, I was not a pilot. Uh, I was an administration officer, which meant that I did all the things that nobody else wanted to do. Lots of different different parts, including being an instructor and uh, learning about leadership and uh, leading programs and, and learning about change as well. You learn a lot about that in the military. Um, and uh, came to the end, natural end of a, 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 a career break um, and decided to leave and, uh, and to dip my toe in the, in the corporate world um, and, and see what that was like. So my second career, um, I've done now 15 years as a consultant and as an interim manager mostly technology related i mean you, you're right I, I, you said about transformational stuff it's all been transformational programs mostly and somehow connected to a technology thing both in the defense sector in the education sector sometime in the uh, in in the um, um, uh, with software businesses and i've been lucky enough to do that in australia and in lisbon as well as in the uk so you know try and go to different places and see different things so that's been 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 uh, been exciting i'd love to tell you that it's all been carefully planned <laughs> but i would be lying uh, but that's not uncommon is it it's because opportunities create opportunities correct correct and uh, it's that network isn't it that especially within you know it, it's just quite a small world i find transformation and uh, you build up the network and um, you feed off that network. Yeah, I agree. I mean, network is really important. I also feel like it's a bit like sliding doors, and particularly at the moment, you know, doors will open, and as they rotate round these doors, if they open at the same time, went to, when I went to Australia, I made the decision I wanted to leave. I was with HP at the time, made the decision to leave HP because I was sort of pretty much fed up with the corporate world um, and being consultant there. And as I did so, um, somebody in my network, somebody I'd worked with before, said, well, I've got a job for you in Australia. And when I finished laughing, he said, no, I'm serious. <laughs> if you're interested in coming to Sydney, I, I think you'd be a great fit. So uh, we up sticks and went to Sydney for three years, which was, wow. uh, yeah, uh, yes, wow. Uh, I do ask myself why am I back in the UK <laughs> on a regular basis. But uh, no, it was a, 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 a fabulous program as well. A really big, complex program with the... New South Wales government. Right. And did you have to move away and move around quite a lot within the RAF? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where I learned my itchy feet, to be frank. Yeah. And and uh, um, you know, um, whilst I was in the in in the Air, Air Force, I I probably moved at least every two years, and sometimes on a more regular basis than that. And pretty much every time you're moving into, whilst you're in the same organisation, mm -hmm. and you're 
sort of doing the same thing. Each job is different. So it's a different location. And I was lucky enough to do three years in Germany. I also did 18 months on top of the North Yorkshire Moors and two years in nearly three years in the Shetland Islands. So you go join the join the Air Force and see the world. Well, I saw them <laughs> the wet and windy and uh, and uh, remote parts of the United Kingdom, uh, which was fabulous. I had a great time. Don't get me wrong. Um, but with a family moving all the time like that, you then have to think. But I think I learned that um, that restlessness there, and uh, and it's one of the one of the reasons why I like doing doing the stuff I do now. Is yeah. it's it's if you said to me, please do business as usual job for the next five six years, I, I I'd yeah or, yeah get yeah. Oh, I'd yeah. rather lick the road definitely. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, but I suspect that's where where you know when when the opportunity came to 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 go down to Australia for three years, then you know some most people would have gone, "Woof, can't do that." Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, 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 or sort of taking it through a lens of why why it wasn't possible but yours was probably through a lens of well it's just another move and it's just another move and we did we we as a family and i have two daughters um uh, we, uh we as a family said look you know let's treat it like another raf posting and if it works then we'll stay and if it doesn't work or we need to change it then then we yeah. change it you know yeah. it's not and, you know, and, and shetland against sydney <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 they're exactly the same the water's the same color that's about the only thing you can say <laughs> <laughs> okay so um obviously um uh, within the ref change focus type of role certainly in, in, in the latter part of my career mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. into hp uh, mm-hmm. and, and like i say um sort of much more around sort of infrastructure development in focus change and then through um into sort of general change Wh- which have you enjoyed the most Oh, oh is, is the, uh, have you enjoyed it all the time? Uh, well, you know, I, I mean, I think on a day-to-day basis, you you go through, I'm enjoying this, I'm not enjoying this, I'm enjoying this, I'm not enjoying this. Uh, and and uh, on the whole, I, I love what I do. I mean, I, I love the fact that I, I work with an organization or indeed a group of people or even just a team in order to be able to help them change. And, and I love that, um, the learning that I get from them, um, the experience that in some cases I can pass on to other people. Um, so I, I love it. I mean, the bits that I like the most is where you can combine um, a cultural change element um, with a tangible, practical project program that is delivering some sort of benefit. Uh, I think we do we don't do enough working out what the benefits are, but um, but but where you where it is not just about cut cost, change infrastructure, change ERP, but you've then got some underpinning um, need to make more than just training changes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, if, if you look at a change program and you go, <coughs> we've got a new tool that we want to use and so we need to be able to train people how to use that tool and tell them, more, you know, um, the reasons why we're doing it. That's a change program. Transformational, I feel, makes it much more when you are, um, you're actually changing the what and the why much more the why why people are doing things and you've got to get a bit more hearts and mind and uh, you know best place for that um definitely in hp um with the the work we were doing in hp i was with uh, on the defense information infrastructure project which is if anybody of your listeners know um at the time was about 10 billion pounds program with the uk government or with the uk ministry of defense to put um 
uh, a new infra uh, IT infrastructure in every location across every, all the security levels uh, across the uh, Ministry of Defence. Uh, so an enormous great programme over 10, 10 years, but with five companies involved right. who are not natural bedfellows. They were all competitors. Yeah. So the so the so what we had to do inside this bubble was get competitors to work together more effectively to get the sum of their parts out of them, um, which meant we had to do a lot of changing the way people were working and not using any one particular way of working, which yeah. was was fantastic. And a lot of that was to do with leadership development. You know, it was a lot of that was about um, um, you know one or two people in the organisation couldn't do it on their own, so you have to build. Uh, a coalition of change agents champions whatever phrase you want to do it yeah um and the best place for that often is the leadership team and leaders don't always have the skill sets in order to be able to do that sort of thing so you've got to help them do that and that was just such a joy such a yeah. joy to do it's interesting <laughs> I, I've, I've worked in a number of organizations and um, my role has been um, to work for the company, mm -hmm. um, facing off to the um, big four uh, mm -hmm. and, 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 the, and the big sort of uh, um, IT uh, companies. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of times the, the, the brief has been as simple as keep them honest. Uh, the frustration around um, what you've just been saying about um, the number of these competitors being forced to work together because mm -hmm. the organization has said that that, that, that that's reality and um, the frustration of, of seeing people almost working against each other in a program um, is was 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 quite evident uh, but it'd be interesting just to get your view of, on the other side of mm. how you felt working in that environment where you were like you say getting into bed with people that weren't your natural bedfellows yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I think at the end of the day, wh whether you're talking about a change program or whether you're talking about a consortium as this was in Australia, um, uh, sorry, in uh, in HP Defence, um, um, you have to understand, you have to get to the point where everybody understands what we're trying to achieve together. Mm. So yes, there are vested interests, and if you think about it, it you know, boil it in, in uh, boil it down a little bit really what you're talking about is vested interests Absolutely. and really therefore what you're talking about is managing stakeholders and really you just got to you know when you think about it on that level then you go back to the basic principles what do you do when you've got a bunch of complicated stakeholders australia was even more complicated uh, government unions teachers um, administrators etc uh, um, what have you got to be able to do well you've got to take the story that you're telling um, as a whole and uh, be able to translate that so that the person who's listening the vested interested who's listening sees it sees what the value of it is to them yeah and we and, and in, in hp that's what exactly what we had to do why are we doing this well we as individual companies have all signed up to join this individual this program because it is a good financial decision what is going wrong right now while well, we're working at against each other because each one says well it's not invented here and my way is slightly better and yeah, yeah. so what do we need to do in order to be able to make that better is just change things do things differently here and then 
tie that back to the original reason for being there, which was we're here to make money. So if we can just connect those two things, yeah. it sounds simple. It took a, you know, a long time, um, months, years to get to it effectively. Yeah. But if you can link those two things, why you're doing it and what it is, those makes it makes it much more simple to get through. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, in my experience, is doing exactly that really, getting people in the room mm. and just saying, okay, you know, yeah. doors are closed. Yeah, let's get the issues out on the table because we're not leaving them here until we yeah. come to some common understanding of what we're all going to do and how we're going to work together. Yeah, uh, and, I, I, and, I think that's a really good point. I mean, it was at one stage in this in this experience with uh, with HP. I, my particular role was about consortium relations, um, and bizarrely, I worked for the commercial director. Um, and the commercial director, and, and when we started this, he, the, the, the commercial director said, I need somebody who's, if you like, almost a mediator before it gets to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I want somebody who can put people in a room, as you've just said, shut the door and say, right, this is a safe space. Let's just get it all out on the table. This is an, I am not a commercial person. I'm not about to write you a contract breach notice or anything like that. Um, let's work it out here before we get to anything in, in, in a commercial terms. And that actually ended up being quite effective. Good. Something you picked up on, you mentioned earlier around sort of benefits and the fact that um, all too often um, they're not focused as, uh, as, as much as some of the other aspects of, of change. Um, you know, I think transformation should always deliver significant value. It, it, it's part of the definition of transformation, I suspect. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I think you're right. I, I find that a lot of organisations don't focus as much time and effort upon clarifying what those benefits should be, mm-hmm. and even when they do that, not focusing upon realising those benefits and tracking yep. those benefits. What, yep. What's been your experience? I completely agree with you. In fact, it, it's a, it's a, like a a running sore across. Uh, uh, and I confess, I'm probably as bad as as many people in this in this industry. No. We bemoan as an industry that our change programs fail, and they fail on a on a regular basis. My opinion is they fail because we're not sure about what we're doing, what's the scope of it is, and what we're attempting to achieve. Um, and we're not sure about what we're attempting to achieve because we don't spend long enough thinking about what those benefits are. Mm. And if we spend as much time managing the benefit stream. You know, the realization of those benefits and attaching those to individuals in the organization as we do about worrying about whether we've met a particular milestone or delivered a uh, an output at a particular point in time um then i i think we, we would do much better now i know on the programs that i've worked on the ones that have worked well we've had a benefit stream the ones that have not worked well the ones where i've not for all sorts of reasons, we've lost focus on those benefits. We've lost focus on what the outcomes are going to be. Um, or when the program has been started, benefits have been politicized. Yeah. In order to be able to convince a, a board or a CFO or the decision maker that we're going to do X, then we make big promises about the hard cash benefits and don't talk about the, the harder, the, the soft intangibles. 
very difficult to identify how those are those are those going to go through even more difficult to approve the effect isn't it rather than a major program talk about the cost of running a leadership development project in a in an organization so show me the financial benefit of this yeah. prove the financial benefit of this yeah i think uh, that that sort of value stream in that that uh, attaching um the benefits to individuals um is where i've seen most most success i, I suppose two things one and i come back to a, a, a comment made by christoph in, in in the first episode of this podcast where he was he, he talks about focusing on outcomes rather than outputs yep. and, yep. and all too often benefits are attached to an output as opposed to an overall outcome and uh, we get caught up in delivering these outputs which then stops us from delivering the outcomes um but uh, yeah certainly in a couple of uh, major programs i've been involved in over the last sort of four or five years where we've been able to attribute and attach those outcomes to individuals yeah daily individuals at a senior level yeah we've not the individual certainly uh, a departmental level um we've, we've they've i think it's down to that accountability they they take ownership and they're much more engaged um because it's focused upon them um as opposed to focusing upon this this program to deliver it. yeah I, I i think that's really important the other thing i would add to it is and i, and I, I think i learned this when i was in hp was um as the old adage is what gets measured gets done okay so um transformational programs or even just change programs if we accept the difference between the two of them are a bit like trying to change the engines of an aircraft mid-flight aren't they so you've got the business you've got the normal thing they've got to make a profit they've got to continue doing what they do on it and at the same time you're making some change i found in particular in hp that what we were doing was measuring business unit leaders on their normal outputs yeah okay but we weren't clever enough at that time to add the change outcomes yeah. to their to their objectives if you like to their incentive pile um and therefore um and, and this varies between departments and so therefore the, uh, the when it, when pressure is on individuals revert to the things which they are ni- re- measured on yeah. rather than the things which they're not and if they're things they're not are in the uh, are in the in the transformation program then that gets afforded less priority i think the other thing is is how do you it's okay if you can point to a pound sign in those benefits and again you know th- those those projects that say we will increase revenue by x or we'll reduce cost by y um that that's okay it's um or it is it is more simple to be able to add those objectives to an individual and and again yeah. in, in hp we did that where it's in more intangible that's much more challenging yeah but you still need to it's like anything isn't it it's those smart objectives again isn't it you still need to be able to measure yeah it doesn't have to be pensions and pens but you have to be thinking about how you're going to measure the impact of of the actions that you take yeah Yeah. Uh, and be clear about those up front correct and and where we got to in hp 
was we were measuring employee engagement index. Okay, so morale was low. One of the consequences of this, you know, fighting amongst the consortium was morale was low. So we said, well, look, we'll measure the employee engagement index and watch that improve over the course of a number of years. And said, so thank you very much. That therefore the things that we are doing are improving, improving the way people feel. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree with you. Interesting. Okay. Um, Changes are constant, as we know, and um, you know, n- never, never more than what we're living through at the moment. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I think coming out of it, um, what, what we're finding talking to organisations is that um, you know, there's, there's a lot of change and a lot of technology-driven change that has been almost shelved for the past 12, 18 months because of Brexit and then the election. Yeah. And we're taking a step back now just to say, well, is that still relevant and is that still, um, uh, you know, in terms of new normality, does that still fit? And, yeah. and, and, and I think, you know, a, a, lot of, a lot of it will still be relevant and, uh, because market conditions are changing, new technologies are disrupting stuff. Um, so, so, the, so I think, you know, in, in the latter part of the year and into, into 2021, the, the amount of transformation programs that, are, that we're, that we're seeing will, will, will grow exponentially um, and and then there'll be a pressure on delivering mm-hmm. stuff as you as you say mm-hmm. and um, I think um, it, it'd be interesting just to get your view about how and what you do to sort of create those sort of right conditions and um, and, and how you start to build that momentum up within an organization so that the, the transformation piece um, uh, at least starts to go in the right direction yeah uh, I I think I mean I agree with your hypothesis that um, that I think there's a bow wave of change that's going to come through organisations now whether that's you know because they're going to have to change the business model or because they're taking an opportunity to do something or you know they're having to claw their way out of no revenue for six nine months of the year I agree with that I don't think the conditions of what you do with a change program or any project have changed in any of that uh, you know no, um, I agree. Uh, uh, so, you know, I, I would go back to the military and ex-military are great, very fond of acronyms. So there's the, 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 the P principle. Prior planning prevents poor performance. There is an extra P in there, but I wouldn't use it. <laughs> uh, um, so by which I mean, as, a, as, a, as an interim, or as a transformation director, or as a CEO, or as chief operating officer, looking at what your change program is, the best ones I've seen have always been where you spend a lot of time thinking about what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it. Yeah. Okay. The how is all, it's not irrelevant, is much less relevant. If you don't work those bits out, then nothing else is going to be going to work effectively. Yeah. Um, and I, it, I, I hope that organizations as we you know, go forward, don't, don't feel they're pushed into, jumping too fast into actually doing the transformational piece doing the the mechanics making changes to the to the structure or putting a new software in i mean i don't know how many times have you heard people saying yeah we've uh, we've we've picked a new it system and now we now, now we need to work out what we're going to do with it and so, yeah exactly yeah yeah uh, you know um so i so i'm i, I i'm not sure to, to the question you're asking i'm not sure that the 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 way that we get ready for it is any different now 
than it would it was last year, year before, or when I started doing this? Or no, I I, I, yeah. I agree. I, I, I suppose the question wasn't necessarily as, as it changed. It's just there's going to be, as you say, that bow wave of of of, of initiatives programs mm-hmm. coming through. So, what lessons do you do do do, do you have for organisations who are maybe maybe trying to manage all of this at the same time maybe with a slightly reduced staff because of furlough mm-hmm. or redundancies mm-hmm. and such like mm-hmm. and, and getting that balance i suppose coming back to what we we're talking about earlier um you know the the sort of um the, one of the challenges i find is that um transformation responsibilities for transformation is often overlaid onto the business as usual type of activity as well so yep. when you work out from a resource management perspective, yep. uh, how much time these people are committing, then suddenly yep. you get that there are 150 percent of capacity, committed. or 200 percent capacity. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that you know, that's what you know. What are we going to start? What are we going to stop? And what are we going to change in order to be able to do stuff? It gets lost all the time. It is very much as as you've just said. It is about um, just stepping back and really thinking about the why are we doing yep. it and, and 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 then being clear about what it is that you what what outcomes we're looking to achieve and then being clear about that that the how we're going to do it absolutely i think there's another thing though you you have you have to be able to say you've got to be able to assess i, I have the sense that you've got to be able to assess how much of this change do i need to do now um how much do i need to be able to adjust perhaps um uh, um you know, tweak my business mm. in order to be able to keep going through and and recognizing that we can't you know that we that we need to avoid biting off more than we can chew I mean, that's all that's all a bit sort of um, um uh, janet and john if you like but i think we do uh, you know i i have often find that we forget the o- well and we forget the obvious don't we yeah, yeah, exactly. you know i and you know particularly when you're in the middle of something and maybe that's where the advantage of having somebody who doesn't isn't in the organization who can look at it from the outside that can say well here's the here are a few of the key points not how you're going to fix it but here are a few of the key points and also be able to say, okay, in order to be able to have the capacity to do those those key points, uh, there's a combination of people that you bring in to help you, that surge capacity, um, but also what are you going to stop doing? What are you going to take away from people? What are you going to relax on in order to be able to do uh, to, to manage stuff at, at any one particular time? But it's also about, can, a little yeah. bit about having that roadmap as well, isn't it? Of, of uh, as you say, once you've once you've reviewed um the options that you have you don't you know, as you said earlier you don't have to do everything now no but, but no. Have, have a sequential roadmap that makes sense that it's it's actually taking to what taking you towards where you want to be yeah i mean it, it not it's not covid related per se but i spent the whole of 2019 in lisbon with a company um who um um, who make the biometric software, the passport readers that you get at, at border controls yeah. and in various other places. Uh, a relatively small company wanting to be a very big company um, and knew that they had a lot of change that had to be done over and recognised that it was going to be two years, three years before they could claim full success. 
but to the point you just made, they sat at the beginning, and I, I was help part of the team that helped put that together. Um, um, sat at the beginning and said, "This is what we want to do, and this is why we want to do it." Our aims and the, the if you like, the under, underpinning um, um, incentive for doing it, and then worked out the eighteen-month program of the things that we were going to do in the order in which they were going to do them. So that was the plan itself. Now plans flex if they're good plans they can flex as long as you're doing that with your eyes open so things changed and we did you know some things delivered on time some things were a bit early other things ended up being a bit late inevitably but it was it was um we weren't trying to do absolutely everything to the organization that was required to get to get it to where they wanted to be in the first six months or in the first 12 months it took much longer than that over a period of time so i think that principle that you just said um, I've seen work very effectively and I don't see why it would be any different in the future. No, no, I agree. And, and I think there's definitely a case for having that independent view. And, and it doesn't need to be an external independent view. It can be an internal independent view. Yep. But yep. someone who's almost putting the mirror up against and saying, okay, let's just be clear about why we're doing this what we're what what we're doing and and then yeah. and then how are we going to do it in sequential and, and and making sure that we're we've got that clarity yeah and and, and something that uh, was brought up a, 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 on an earlier episode with with uh, with dan having that sort of one page overview of what it, it what it is that we're trying to do because once we've got it on one page we can really start to uh, yeah be clear in terms of the engagement and the communication I think that independent view is really important all the way through a program as well. Uh, um, in in Australia, so um, what we were doing in Australia it was learning management business reform program for the New South Wales government. So uh, new education system, new finance system, and although it, well, I wasn't part of it, also a new HR system for two and a half thousand schools and ten further education colleges. Quite quite a big yes. uh, thing. New South Wales government, lots of independent contractors, uh, Accenture as the SI. Um, and interestingly, what the government had done was put KPMG in as a critical friend. Right. So as a portfolio, as I was the portfolio director, so um, overall responsibility for, for delivery of the, of the project, the programs. Um, I had a, a, an open and ongoing engagement with a KPMG partner who came in and said, have you thought about X? So not in not in the reporting chain or the hierarchy, had an external independent view, was was only incentivized for the quality of the advice they gave rather than anything else, who could stop and hold a mirror at, at to me and say, we have heard, um, what about such and such? And also, you know, lots of access to other people. And I thought it was a really, really fabulous um um sounding board yeah. venting system um, but also just a uh, a sanity check because everybody from the minister down through the organization um, was utterly focused on getting done <laughs> yeah. um but this in the, this individual and that function just was not involved in the day-to-day delivery but just stopped and looked on one side and that's a big program and you have the capacity to do that but the independence that you said i think was was probably the most valuable thing i had out there but it's exactly what you've just said isn't it it's that you 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 tend to get 
very blinkered and very focused upon mm -hmm. the world that you're living in in terms of delivering this project or this yep. program and um and and, and 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 have to be focused like that in many cases but every now and again you just need to get your head up and yeah. see and see the sky and say actually yeah. are we still going yeah. down the right road yeah yeah um and are we is this destination still the right destination yeah yeah and and i think if you if you step back from that that, that was inside the project or inside the delivery if you do that um at the start of when you're planning then you i think you i my my hypothesis is you've got a good you know, better better uh, chance of success so you work out what you're trying to do why you're going to do it come together with your one your one pager as it were yeah. and then stop and say to other people around the organization or whatever and say is this we uh, is this right does this make sense and then go and work out the details of of what the plan looks like that that would be that would be how I would approach yeah. it, at least. So you, you, you come across as a bit of a chilled out guy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, obviously, during transformation programs, it's, it's pretty stressful. And uh, those stress levels can get quite high. What, what do you do to sort of alleviate that stress? Um, well, the best thing that I found has been yoga. Right. Um, I uh, was lucky enough to start practicing yoga just before I went to Australia, and then in Australia, Sydney is a fabulous place to do it. A, the weather's fantastic, but also the number of places in which you can do it is much better than if you're living in the you know, remote part of the United Kingdom or whatever. Um, so that that helps both both at a physical level, but also at a, at a mental level. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm a bit of a evangelist for. Uh, getting men of a certain age who spend too much time behind desks to to move, uh, and I think it's very effective that. So that uh, you know that that's been been a uh, been a, a great help. Um, and I and I also hike and uh, wild camp. So, oh wow! Um, um, and I like doing that on my own because of course we spend all day <laughs> wrapped around lots and lots of people and inside lots of you know lots of inputs and the phones going and the emails going and uh, and lots of people wanting to talk to you. So you're hiking on my own or while camping outside is is uh, is uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I I ask this question a lot, and um, I think although people have different different ways of of relieving that stress, the commonality of it all is to give yourself some space and some mm, time just mm. to 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 collect your thoughts. Yeah, so some people cycle, some people run. Some people do yoga and, and meditate and stuff, yeah. but fundamentally, yeah. they're all, it's all about just giving yourself some space and break away. And I, I mean, I uh, on a personal level, you know, I know that in my in earlier years in my career, I didn't didn't do that. It took, mm. you know, <laughs> I had to learn it the hard way. Final question from from myself. Um, you know, if, if there's one thing that you would say. Actually, it, if, if, if I don't do anything else, this is the one thing I take into every, every program. What, 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 what is that? What's, what's the one takeaway? You're only allowed one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some people have taken liberties before and done two or three, but yeah. yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I think that in every place I have been, I've tried to work out the three things that that is about. And if I can't say it in three things, if I can't explain generally what and why in th three statements, 
then it's too complicated. Right. Um, uh, so, and, and and I have to I have to do that on a personal basis because if it's more than three things, personally, I probably can't remember them. Um, it's probably too complicated for me to understand. So, if I can boil it and cut all the noise away and bring it down to th- three simple things that I can say to everybody, and I just consistently repeat it. Yeah. In an ideal world, and I've had it a couple of times, had it a couple of times, is those things start to come back to you from other parts of the organization. Yeah. You hear other people saying those same three things and you go, okay, all right, we're, 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 doing, we're getting something done here and actually uh, and we all agree. And if you can get everybody doing it through the organization, you know, it makes it a lot easier. Uh, Keep yeah. it simple. I was going to say it's the KISS principle, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, keep, absolutely. Keep, keep it simple. My, my, again, my background in the Air Force gives me too many acronyms and too many, too many expressions like that, so I have to try not to do it. But you're absolutely right. Keep it simple, stupid. And make it three things. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks a lot once again, uh, uh, Nick, and uh, speak to you soon. Thanks very much. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Well, that's another great episode in the can. Please do let me know if you have any questions that I can put to Nick or indeed any of the other participants in the earlier episodes. We are really excited to be launching the Transformation Leaders Hub, a true peer-to-peer network. The aim is to provide guidance to people that work in transformation, helping them to maximise their careers. So please do click on the link in the show notes below and sign up today. See you soon.